0: Sleepover Cinema, where we analyze the films that created the collective unconscious of those who pledge allegiance to the flag of Matthew Lillard's artistry.
1: I'm Anna Leach. And I'm Audrey Leach. We are the sister filmmaking duo also known as Two Pink Productions, and we haven't stopped thinking about these movies since we first saw them. We're going to explore the good, the bad, and the nonsensical of the movies
0: that first inspired our love for film in an attempt to answer the question are these movies actually good and at the end of the day do we really care if they are
1: today we are talking about 1996's scream ah that's my scream nice i
0: i was really convincing <laughs> i'm sure hello
2: hello who is this you tell me your name i'll tell you mine
1: <laughs> i don't think so
2: what's that noise popcorn you making popcorn
1: well i'm getting ready to watch a video
2: really what
1: well just some scary movie
2: you like scary movies uh-huh you never told me your name
1: why do you want to know my name
2: i want to know who i'm looking at someone is playing a deadly game Again with a scream over 911. Someone who's seen one too many scary movies. Now he's taken his love of fear. Hello? Hello, Sydney. One step too far. Do you like scary movies? What's the point? They're all the same. Some stupid killer stalking some big breasted girl who can't act who's always running up the stairs and she should be going out the front door. It's insulting.
0: You know what's been stuck in my head like all day? What? Scream from High School Musical 3. Oh. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) And I just put together why that is. It's because of what we're covering. So you're probably seeing, based off the title of this episode, that we are covering our very first horror slasher film today. Other than Jennifer's body. Okay, other than Jennifer's body, you're really right. You're really, really right. I guess, um, widely known as a horror or slasher movie. So, yeah, we're covering this movie because the people asked for it. They demanded it. And also Hunter, Audrey's roommate and former guest on the pod for Charlie's Angels, is going to join us to share some of his passion and insight <laughs> on Scream in the second half. So you get to look forward to that as well. Are you feeling spooky? Are you feeling Kind of.
1: Kind of. I I, I you got look spooky. I got a darker like lipstick thing, like lip liner and lipstick than I usually have on. And I also nice. bought pencil eyeliner again. Like I'm like wow. it's on my waterline. And I kind of forgot how good how much that can enhance yes. an eye look, but I just stayed away from it for a long time because it does usually go to my inner corner after a while. Mm-hmm. Um, but like it really does enhance the look and it does make it more like witchy, I feel also. Yes. And it adds some intensity. Yeah, the like 90s makeup look of like a berry, a berry lip and like <laughs> smoky, tanish brown. Like if your whole mm-hmm. lid is like tannish brown and it's like not, no liquid eyeliner, that look to me is good. I was trying to give
0: some sort of look. In fact, when I left the house, I'm wearing... S- I can't believe I'm about to say this, but I'm wearing skinny jeans. And um, I got those platform Converse high tops. Yeah, I'm wearing this shirt and that. And as I left the house, I asked Josh if he liked my interpretation of uh, being a jet from West Side Story. (laughs) Because that is what I look like
1: (laughs) way more
0: than anything spooky.
1: You wouldn't catch a jet in skinny jeans. (laughs) Yeah, you would. You totally would. They already wear skinny jeans. They're not like skinny. Skinny jeans. They're not like skinny jeans in the way of skin like, <laughs>
2: not skin like, skin <laughs> of like our middle school.
0: I feel like yeah. they were like Levi's. Okay, the update to the Glee journey is that I just watched the episode where Blaine's older brother comes to town. Oh my God. I got like jumped by the Kurovsky episode when he ends up in the hospital I got jumped by that one, and then I got jumped by the Quinn getting hit by a car while texting and driving
1: PSA episode. You know, with all that said, you still ain't seen nothing yet. This shit, this train does not slow down. It does not. I'm sure.
0: I I actually was saying to Josh the other day, I was like, I think that we've finally entered the, like, downhill plummet of glee. I think we're right on the crest of the downhill plummet.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I'm like, I'm like 60% of the way through season three. So that would make sense.
1: Yep. A lot of people would consider the (laughs) end of season three to be the end of Glee. Question for the culture for this week. The culture is super sick right now. It's actually really bad, period.
0: This I would like to hear input from from the audience. Ultimately, did you ever have a slutty Halloween costume as a high schooler? This is an actual question for the culture. Well, what's
1: the question for the culture?
0: Did you have a slutty Halloween costume? Well, but that's just a fact. Well, I didn't say, I didn't say, okay, fine. Should you have a slutty? (laughs) That's such a stupid question. How do we feel about slutty Halloween costumes in high school? Maybe that's the question. I feel like that's kind of, it's almost the peak of the slutty Halloween costume.
1: I mean, if you have a way to wear one. Like, if your parents aren't around or, like, you have, like, an actual party to go to, like, then maybe. Right. But... Right. Like, if there are straight men
0: in your life, then then you can have one. But otherwise... Well, not...
1: Candy r- I'm not even saying that. But just, like, if do you have a venue? Do you have a place to go that isn't your own house? <laughs> do you have a venue booked for <laughs> yeah, your like Halloween that's costume? That's what I'm saying. In high school, the options are limited. My senior year
0: of high school, I actually did. And I don't even remember what I was. All I know is that there are pictures of me in a maroon tank top undershirt thing, black sequined shorts and fishnets. It was I'm supposed very to be clearly Lady Gaga. drunk.
1: Oh. <laughs> how do you remember that? I just remember one picture of that. I think I had the lightning bolt on yeah, my face. Yeah. I wouldn't even count. I don't know that I would count that as slutty, though. <laughs> it's not like you were I think in a bra.
0: For me, it was. No, no, no. For me, it was. For high school me, it was. Yeah. Which is saying it's pretty tame.
1: Did you ever have one? No, I was Lord for Halloween senior year of high school. That is really, really tasteful. Every- I'm not surprised. Everyone used to say in high school that I looked like Lord, which was completely off base because. I don't actually look like her, but we had curly hair at the time. And so that's why. Yeah. Um,
0: we, you <laughs> and Lord the collective. Yeah,
1: because Lord doesn't have curly hair anymore. It's really sad. Um, just yeah. like Taylor Swift, they all forsake me. All the white women with curly <laughs> hair.
0: <sighs> sad. We will put something on our story or something asking for you to submit pics of your sluttiest Halloween costumes because... What is Halloween without a good slutty Halloween costume?
1: Very quickly, I am There's go- some items on the agenda we have to get to before we move on. We said we've talked about it in the past, we said we would follow up on it. One being funny girl with Leah Michelle. I saw it after being rudely my tickets were rudely snatched from my claws because <laughs> Leah Michelle contracted COVID on the day I was supposed to go. And I, yeah. I well actually went through the five stages of grief. Your tickets weren't
0: snatched. Your opportunity to see Leo was snatched.
1: But the tickets ultimately were snatched because they wouldn't let people buy back their tickets for another day at the same price. So it it very much felt like your tickets were taken from you. I saw it. She was amazing. The show Funny Girl is bad. It just is. Like... It's not an entertaining Broadway show, but she did a great job. And I also have a conspiracy that they have been... And I don't know if this is the production or like Beanie's team or like something, but I have a conspiracy theory that they're taking down any bootleg videos of Beanie performing because um, I can only find audio of it. There's only audio of her performing with pictures Mm -hmm. and there's no video, which makes... No sense mm. because there is a a ton of bootleg videos of Leah in the show. And I just yeah. I just think that this is my conspiracy theory. And I get it because like she would want it. She I if I were Beanie, I would also want the videos <laughs> taken down. So <laughs> I get it. Why? So there couldn't be like a side-by-side comparison. Yeah. And people are still doing that. They're doing it with the video of Leah and the audio of Beanie. And it is just It's just so unfair. It's like not a fair fight. And then the second update, I saw bros last week. We talked about slightly marginalized celebrities blaming the failure of their art on the audience. Um, Uh. And it was not good. And I'm so... (laughs) it It was bad. It was not good. With all of the good aspects of it, all of the things that should be helping it, I guess, it's kind of more like a good in theory and mediocre in practice thing. It's really hard to say I'm making a blockbuster rom-com without box office drawn names. He's not enough on his own to bring that. Yeah, definitely not. So I kind of feel like he has really, really good intentions, but the writing, the editing, it felt very first draft to me, almost. Mm-hmm. And I... It sucks. Like, I don't I don't want to shit on it, but it wasn't good. It wasn't very funny, and it wasn't very romantic. So you're kind of failing on Yikes. those ends. Yikes. Yeah. For the most part, it's just not really for the t- people in their 20s. Like, Billy's, what, in his mm-hmm. 40s? I think they might get... Yeah. They'll probably get more of a kick out of it than, like, I do. Or that... Yeah, gays our age do because it's it kind of felt like we were far past a lot of the jokes and like a lot of the mental state of like where they like are, like trying to be mask and stuff like that. Just like tackling those sort of topics from a very surface level point of view, and it's like, yeah, we know, like yeah. we 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 understand. Yeah.
0: Okay, getting into Scream. Okay, so let's get into the facts. Scream was released on December 20th, 1996 and was rated R. I forgot to get why it's rated R, but I'm sure it's gore, sex, thematic elements, etc. And of course, it was directed by Wes Craven, who is a ubiquitously known horror icon. Um, He wrote Nightmare on Elm Street, New Nightmare, and the People Under the Stairs, among a lot of other things. But he directed the entire Scream franchise, Nightmare on Elm Street, The Hills Have Eyes, The Last House on the Left, and he's from Cleveland and he's a Leo. And the screenplay was written by Kevin Williamson, who wrote the entire Scream franchise, including the TV series. He wrote 171 episodes of The Vampire Diaries, also 128 episodes of Dawson's Creek. And Scream was his first writing credit, which is a sleigh. Now, getting into these synopses, um, I will do the first one. IMDb. A year after her mother's death, Sidney Prescott and her friends started experiencing some strange phone calls. They later learned the calls were coming from a crazed serial killer in a white-faced mask and a large black robe looking for revenge. His phone calls usually consist of many questions, the main one being, what's your favorite scary movie? Along with much scary movie trivia ending with bloody pieces of innocent lives scattered around the small town of Woodsboro.
1: The letterboxed one is, a killer known as Ghostface begins killing off teenagers, and as the body count begins rising, one girl and her friends find themselves contemplating the rules of horror films as they find themselves living in a real-life one. (laughs) That's not, okay, that's like not.
0: I know, (laughs) I know. Okay, now last but not least, Rotten Tomatoes. The sleepy little town of Woodsboro just woke up screaming. There's a killer in their midst who's seen a few too many scary movies. Suddenly, nobody is safe as the psychopath stalks victims, taunts them with trivia <laughs> questions, <laughs> then rips them to bloody shreds. It could be anybody. <laughs> that was pretty good. That's a good one. Yeah. That's a good one. Taunts them with trivia questions <laughs> is so funny and so accurate. Okay, Audrey. Audrey. You gotta get a load of this. I
1: How is this even possible? There's like 20 taglines. Okay, number one, a new thriller <laughs> from Wes Craven. Number two, someone is playing a deadly game. Someone who has seen way too many scary movies. Number three, name the killer, December 20th. <laughs> number five, he's taken his love of fear One step too far.
0: (laughs) Number
1: five. Yes. Solving this mystery is going to be murder. Number six. I'll be right back. Number seven. Don't answer the phone. Don't open the door. Don't try to escape. Number eight. Someone's taken their love of scary movies one step (laughs) too far. Number nine. Make your last breath count. Number 10. Now someone is victim and someone is a suspect. (laughs) Number 11. Now every... Oh, wait. What? (laughs) Wait. Now everybody is a victim and everybody is a suspect. Number 12. From the first name in suspense comes the last word in fear. What? What does that mean? And then lastly, number 13. Also, the fact there's 13. Wow. Wow. Don't answer the door. Don't leave the house. Don't answer the phone. But most of all, don't scream. They were bringing it with the tagline. (laughs) It is. (laughs) The cast of Scream is pretty iconic um, for white people. Anyway, (laughs) (laughs) Um, Some really grade A white people in here. Um, (laughs) Neve Campbell plays Sydney. She is best known for all the Scream movies, but she's also known for a film called Wild Thing and a ton She's just been in a ton of TV. That's something I was noticing with all of these people, except for Drew Barrymore. Mm-hmm. They're all a lo- mm-hmm. there's been a lot of TV. Drew Barrymore plays Casey, who's only in the first scene of this movie. She's best known for Charlie's Angels, Never Been Kissed, Ever After, and Fifty First Dates. And a fun fact about, if you don't know, Drew Barrymore in this movie is that she was offered the role of Sydney. Of course, she was a, a huge movie star at the time, up and coming slash up and coming as like an adult. And um, she actually picked the role of Casey. She was like, oh, wouldn't it be so much cooler if like people come into this movie thinking that I'm the star and then I get killed in the first scene and they have to like readjust. And so that like this film isn't going to follow like the rules that you think it is. And Drew Barrymore's face is the poster of the film. So people really thought that she was the star. So that's like a part of what makes it really iconic. And then Courtney Cox plays Gail Weathers. She's best known for Friends and the Scream movies and other TV. Um, I also learned today that she had to, like, convince Wes Craven to cast her in this. It wasn't a given that she would get this part because she was known for such a specific role. And then Skeet Ulrich plays Billy. He's best known for Scream, The Craft, Riverdale, and a lot of other TV spots. Wow. Uh, Matthew Lillard plays Stewart. He's best known for Scooby-Doo 1 and 2 and SLC Punk. David Arquette plays Deputy Dewey. He's best known for the Scream movies, Never Been Kissed. And then he has actually executive produced a lot of TV and then Rose McGowan plays Tatum. She's best known for Jawbreaker and Charmed. I'm crying at this next list of
0: things. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Where it ends. Okay. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, and then I was like, oh, I might as well <laughs> include Roger Jackson, who is the voice on the phone in all of the Scream movies. So he's got a very iconic voice. And his credits Go back decades and it's extremely dense. But the one thing that I picked mm-hmm. out is the voice of <laughs> Mojo Jojo from the Powerpuff Girls because <laughs> that's good.
0: Oh my God. I used to draw Mojo Jojo a lot back in the day. His head is just so good to draw. The, yeah. the thing with the, it's just so good. Budget. The budget for Scream was $14 million. Upon opening weekend on December 20th, 1996, it earned $6,354,586 with an ultimate worldwide gross of $103,046,663, making it the highest grossing horror slash slasher film <laughs> of all time. Slash slasher. Slash slasher film, uh, followed by its own sequels and then Freddy vs. Jason. It
1: changed the game. For sure.
0: Critic and audience opinions. Um, okay, so the critic score on Rotten Tomatoes for this movie was 79%, and the average letter boxed rating, <laughs> boxed rating uh, is four stars. Um, and the critic consensus on Rotten Tomatoes is, horror icon Wes Craven's subversive deconstruction of the genre is sly, witty, and surprisingly effective as a slasher film itself, even if it's a little too cheeky for some. Now for... Roger Ebert, what he had to say. He gave it three stars and he said, "'What did I think about this movie? "'As a film critic, I liked it. "'I liked the in-jokes and the self-aware characters. "'At the same time, I was aware "'of the incredible level of gore in this film. "'It is really violent. "'Is the violence diffused by the ironic way "'the film uses it and the comments on it? "'For me, it was. "'For some viewers, it will not be, "'and they will be horrified.' Which category do you fall in? Here's an easy test. When I mentioned Fangoria earlier in this review, did you know what I was talking about? And then we have some other critics. Audrey, do you want to uh, play these roles?
1: Okay, first, critic says, Poised on the knife edge between parody and homage, Wes Craven's scream is a deft, funny, shrewdly, unsettling tribute to such slasher exploitation thrillers as Terror Train, New Year's Evil, and Craven's own A Nightmare on Elm Street. The second critic says, Craven couldn't have made this movie if he didn't understand both his craft and what his fans expect. This is a horror film designed with movie lovers in mind. Beneath all the gore and violence, and there's a lot of both, there's a keen sense of wit and intelligence which sophisticated viewers are likely to appreciate. And that makes this much more than a common slasher flick. Have fun and remember that movies don't create psychos. Movies make psychos more creative. And the third critic says, The picture is so full of cross-references, <laughs> self-mockery, and movies within movies, including a stocking that's recorded on video, that it can't help turning into a precious two-hour in-joke. No one is wrong. Yeah, everyone. everyone's spitting facts.
0: Okay, so now for Common Sense Media. They gave this movie four stars and rated it age 16+. plus. They say it's a teen slasher parody that has strong violence and language. Families can talk about why Scream remains so popular. What's the appeal of horror movies? They also can talk about how the movie seems to parody and celebrate the teen slasher movie genre. How does it use humor to poke fun at horror movie cliches? And how does the violence make it a part of the very genre it parodies? How are teens portrayed here? Is this a realistic depiction?
1: Why or why not? The audience <laughs> score is 79%, which is really high. Um, what are you saying it's mm-hmm. a tie with? It's the same as the critic score, I think, for the first time. Oh, uh, no, I don't think that's a first. I don't think that's a first. Okay. I would have to go back. Um, I would have to check every single episode <laughs> but (laughs) i'm sure you want to do that (laughs) yeah audience opinions one star on rotten tomatoes some person says this is such a cheesy movie i can barely get past the beginning it was so lame a slasher movie that's so easy to put together you know who's doing what it's not hard to figure out A mortal person doing the killings is not scary. This movie is boring, and I give it a 1.5 out of 5. That's the best I can do.
0: (laughs) Next review, 4.5 stars on Rotten Tomatoes. If you're looking for a smart, self-aware horror film, then look no further than Scream. The film came out at a time when the horror genre was dying out, and it was a breath of fresh air, delivering a unique, inventive cinematic experience and is one of the most influential horror movies ever. And we're going to come back to that claim about it. Reviving the genre in just a second here.
1: Two stars on Letterboxd. I wish it would have committed to being either a fun, absurd parody or a smart and subversive take on horror films that rises above the tropes of slashers and delivers a genuinely surprising and thrilling entry in the genre. It sort of attempts both, but not well. It's stuck somewhere in the middle and it doesn't succeed at either.
0: And last but not least, 4.5 stars on Letterboxd. I love cinema. Okay, so for cultural context, I kind of wanted to look into this refrain that I kept seeing, which was that like the genre was dying out, the genre was in peril, and then Scream saved it from implosion or whatever. So I found this review article thing on Movie Meister Reviews, and I just picked a couple little excerpts from it that I think kind of – shed some light on this claim. So this is what the article said. Before Scream, the state of horror was okay. Not great, but okay. A lot of the big series that started in the 70s and 80s were getting old by the time the 90s began.
1: The very early 90s were a time when major horror series were falling to pieces, but that didn't mean that we were done. There were still some really good horror movies that were there to keep the genre alive. It's important to remember that when Scream was due to be released, no one believed it was going to do well. You also have to remember that it was being directed by a man who had just come off Vampire in Brooklyn. You know, that awful vampire movie with Eddie Murphy. People thought that he'd lost his touch. So obviously Scream goes on, it does a really good job, blah,
0: blah, blah. So why does Scream get the credit for saving horror? It wasn't dead anyway, so why should this little slasher flick get the title of the film that saved horror? Well... It shouldn't. It didn't really even change it. What it did do very well was capitalize on the change that was already happening.
1: Movies tend to get titles like that when all it was is it kind of hit the zeitgeist at the right time. And then it happens to be economically Mm -hmm. successful. And then that movie becomes the one that everyone points to that is like this movie changed cinema history. But it just kind of had really good luck and good
0: timing. When did we first watch What Do We Remember?, Also, I want to
1: ask, are we horror fans? I saw it for the first time maybe in like 2019-ish. And no, neither of us grew up watching horror films, but I was, mm-hmm. like, it wasn't our favorite thing to, to watch, obviously. We literally didn't watch it, period. Yeah. um, And I was terrified. I was scared of a decal of Goofy in the entrance of Blockbuster <laughs> at the time. So yeah, <laughs> whatever gene it is that children have where they, like, they like haunted houses or they like scary movies. I That missed me
0: completely. Yeah, It's because our parents, they're both, they both are not into
1: that at all. No. I mean, neither of our parents are really into movies, to be honest. But <laughs> I won't, I won't speak for you, but I was terrified. And in high school, some of my friends started being like, let's go see The Conjuring. Let's have a sleepover and watch Paranormal Activity. And I was like... No, but then they would do it anyway, and I would just hide the whole time.
0: (laughs) I watched this movie for the first time last night, so very fresh in my mind. I definitely did not like scary stuff growing up, just like Audrey said. I had a roommate and really good friend in college who is, like, the horror girl. Like, so into it, like, mainstream obscure for many time period, also worked in a haunted house at one point in like, I think late high school, she worked in a haunted house. Um, And so she really introduced me to horror and was like, like kind of showed it to me as like a science or like, you know, it's like, it's like adrenaline more than actually being disturbed. So I developed an appreciation for the genre. Then I still have not seen that many horror movies, but I feel like I'm finally at a time in my life where I could really appreciate them, like the adrenaline rush of it all. So maybe this is the beginning of my horror movie consumption era because I've seen The Conjuring, but I like looked away at the scariest parts, but Patrick Wilson is in it, which is motivation for me.
1: I mean, I have that. Yeah. What you describe with her is exactly what I have with Hunter, where it's like, had I not yeah. become friends with Hunter, I don't know that I really ever would have watched a lot of a yeah. lot of horror, but no regrets.
0: It's it's a cool I feel like it's a really <laughs> underrated genre.
1: And what's interesting now is that it's like the only genre where studios are like taking risks on mid-budget films. um, But they are in the horror genre because it has that backup element that it can rely on of like thrill or adrenaline. So they're like, okay, well, you know, if it has that aspect in it, then we can take some more economical risks on like who's the director or, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. So it is a great opportunity for like up and coming filmmakers to, if you contribute to that genre, you kind of, you have like a way better shot of, making something more substantial
0: so all that being said we're about to take our little midway break um when we come back you will hear a conversation between audrey and hunter about scream about hunter's uh early experiences with it and his perspective on the movie and probably all the movies too yeah i can only imagine that it would make a big impact on him
1: yeah for sure yeah
0: Okay, we will be back. Don't pick up the phone. <laughs> Don't try to open the door.
1: What's your Don't favorite try to leave.
0: Scary movie. <laughs> Don't scream. <laughs> BRB.
1: So I am here with Hunter Livingston. Hi. (laughs) I'm back. (laughs) Who was previously on our Charlie's Angels episode. Mm -hmm. We didn't even cover Full Throttle, which is the one that Hunter feels most passionate about. However, I felt weird about starting with Not the first one. So we started with the first one.
2: We'll come back. We'll come back.
1: Huge spoiler alerts for all of the Scream movies. I'm guessing probably a good portion of you haven't seen all of them. Just know you're about to hear some shit. So the reason that I wanted to bring Hunter back onto the Scream episode is because he has a history nostalgia, knowledge, diehard fan thing Mm -hmm. for the Scream movies that neither Hannah or I possess. And I feel like to cover this movie and to not have that perspective on the podcast would be like a little rude or like a little wrong.
2: (laughs) A little disrespectful.
1: Yeah, because I want to bring reverence, you know, please describe Mm -hmm. to us where you were, what the situation was when you saw the first Scream movie, if you remember.
2: The first Scream movie the very first horror film I can actually remember is like watching Final Destination in sixth grade. I feel like maybe I watched the first Scream movie and didn't see the rest of the series until later. Like maybe my mom or something showed me the first one. And then when I was like really into it, I would like binged watched all of them.
1: When do you have memories of like, I'm into the Scream movies? Probably
2: middle school. was mm-hmm. the first time that I saw all of them because the fourth film came out in 2011, which means I was a freshman in high school. And I saw that one in theaters. So definitely like eighth grade, I probably watched all of them.
1: Like binge watched. Yep. And so that's when you were like into like the lore of it as well.
2: Yep. But I feel like, I don't know, for Scream, I never got involved with other fans because I feel like everybody's opinions kind of bothered me. I was like, I don't need to hear yours. Like, I have mine. Because, like, everybody likes coming up with their own, like, motives for the killers of Scream. And I was just like, oh, my God, none of these are good. So I'm not going to participate. And then, like, when I was making, like, my own little horror movies, I, like, did, like, a Scream thing. And Mm -hmm. I was like, I'm making my own Scream movie. Yeah. I never joined in the conversation.
1: Horror. The genre, uh-huh. I feel like a lot of our listeners, mm-hmm. there are some aquamarine bitches, There's are some um, Freaky Friday bitches. Like, right. I, obviously we do have listeners who are into horror, but right. I think for the most part, I'm guessing a lot of them, a lot of us... did not (laughs) grow up gravitating towards horror. So, like, I was saying to Hannah, like, I feel like I just missed that gene. Mm -hmm. Not only did I miss that gene, but my parents weren't into it. If my parents watched it, I think I would have had a fighting chance.
2: Yeah. But I didn't. Right.
1: I just want to know if you remember, was Final Destination the first thriller or horror movie you saw where you were, like, into the violence?
2: Yes. Well, I had always been into, like, the scary things like goosebumps i watched that in elementary school and i read right. all of the books all the goosebumps books so i was always into things that like used to freak me out but i feel like 6th grade was the first year that my parents like allowed me to watch actual horror films yeah and i feel like i just remember final destination so clearly because it was the first time i saw like really intense gore and i was like what <laughs> is
1: this? And <laughs> you've I was literally, just like so into it. You've literally been chasing the high ever since. No,
2: literally nothing will ever be the first Final Destination viewing. I was in the living room. My parents fell asleep. And the movie was on that and I just kept so watching. so illegal. I know. I was like, I'm not going to wake them up. I'm going to keep watching. I think when they fell asleep, it was around when like, what's his name gets his head decapitated. Mm-hmm. And I was like, so into it. I was like, oh my God, it's 9 p.m. <laughs> You're I'm like, watch I- I'm this. sick. <laughs> no, I was like, I am enjoying this too much. And then I watched so many more in sixth grade. Mm-hmm. Jennifer's Body. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. That was sixth grade. Illegal viewing.
2: Yeah. Illegal viewing in the friend's basement.
1: In your view, where do you think that Scream falls on the horror spectrum? I don't know. I guess when I wrote the question, I was thinking of it on the spectrum of like respectable horror.
2: Right. I think it's super high on respectable horror, even though it's like people don't really find Scream actually scary. Right. But I feel like to be considered a respectable horror film, you don't, it doesn't have to be scary. That's not like the criteria for it. Wes Craven, the director, obviously he's an iconic horror director, Mm -hmm. like so many horror films and like the director and the writers of Scream, they have so much respect for the genre itself. And like Scream is like a huge love letter to horror films because like the whole thing is based on like the rules of horror and it's all based around like what um, was popular in like the 80s, Mm -hmm. like 80s slashers. That's where all those rules come from. Fans of horror love Scream.
1: Because Scream loves horror. Right. Yes. And it does feel warm and fuzzy in that way. Yeah, exactly.
2: And I think that's also why people talk about how, like, Scream revived horror. Because, like, the 80s was dominated kind of by, like, the slasher film. And then towards the end of the 80s, they were declining. Like, the last Nightmare on Elm Street film did, like, terribly and got, like, Really bad reviews and they were just silly. And it was like a like the slasher film was dying. Mm-hmm. And then like Scream came in like the mid to late nineties and it kinda rewrote that narrative yeah. of the slasher film. They're like, Okay, these movies did get bad towards the end because they are relying on all these tropes. So like, what if we poke fun at that? And yeah. it's like, this is how you survive a horror movie.
1: Yeah. Which scream movie is your favorite?
2: Hmm. If you had to choose one. Such a tough question. And I've ranked them before. I really love the opening of Scream 2. Like to me, yeah. that is like peak Scream opening for a film.
1: Which which one, like if, the, if all the movies were laid out in front of you, which one are you like, I want to rewatch this?
2: Um, Obviously it depends, but yeah. high rewatch abilities. I'm, I guess the first one. Yeah but that's not my favorite one. Very tough. I mean, I guess the first one is my favorite.
1: Yeah. I
2: guess, like if one has to be. I can choose an element yeah. from all five. Yeah. The first scream, I think maybe the motives might be the best, and I like the final showdown at the party. Um that whole end sequence I like a lot. Obviously Drew Barrymore in the beginning. Love it. The second one is also the opening that I love in the movie theater. I don't know. I kind of find the whole college campus aspect of it a little bit boring. Scream 2, I like that the killer is Billy's mom, but I don't like that Mickey is the second killer because he's kind of just thrown in. But I think that was because the script was leaked originally. And so people Mm. on the internet found out who the killers were. So then they just had had to throw in Mickey. Scream 3, I like that it takes place in Hollywood, even though people were like, what is this film? And it's kind of funny
1: in ways yeah. that the
2: others aren't. Okay, the fourth one, the opening is good too. I do like how they're all at Kirby's house at the end. Oh my God. Oh, I love that. Um, Hayden Panettiere. Yeah, I love that. What's her name? Emma Roberts is yes. killer. That's like one of the best killers, I think, in Now, Scream. that is something. Oh, and I love the ending at the hospital. So good.
1: If you need any motivation to watch these movies, please.
2: You have to get to the fourth one. (laughs) You
1: need to get to the fourth one. You have to. All my Aquamarine stands out there. You can do it.
2: Yeah, it's really true. I think my least favorite opening is in the fifth one that just came out this past year. But I love this idea of a requel. It's so funny. A requel is basically a reboot and a sequel. And that's a completely new term that has come about in like the, the 2020s. past
1: five years.
2: Yeah. Um, because of all of like the resurgence of IP and making so many sequels based off of existing yeah. um, films already. So like the original screams had no idea what a requel was, but when scream four came out in 2011, people thought that was the end mm-hmm. of the franchise. And then with this fifth one, they were like, we're going to reboot the series, meaning there's going to be more sequels now following this fifth one. It's still a sequel because it's still following the events of the right. original franchise, which is why they called it Scream and not Scream 5.
1: Yeah. Because
2: this is the first one
1: of, of a reboot series. series
2: because now there's a new same protagonist.
1: World, new yep, same world, new Some characters. Yeah,
2: same world, new characters. Some same characters. The legacy characters are there. And that's also a part of why it's called a requel. Right. Because it is a sequel. But it's a reboot.
1: And that shit is confusing.
2: And they also talk about that in the fifth Scream when they're trying to figure out who the killer yeah. is. Yeah, Because, like, the motives of the killer, of the killers in, like, the fifth one is that they basically <laughs> hate what they did with the newest Stab movie. They were like, Stab 8 is terrible. Like, they need to remake Stab 8. So then the killers in Scream <laughs> 5 were like, we're going to make our own version of Stab. Yeah. To give... The creator something
1: to, work, to with. work with. It's so funny. Oh and my god! All the characters
2: are like, "Oh my gosh, the killers are making a requel."
1: Yeah, it's like so meta. Like, if you're not somewhat, you have to be if you're not somewhat interested in like film talk,
2: yeah,
1: it, it's probably not your franchise. Yeah, you got to. But if prepared. you're listening to this, then you are. So you
2: yeah, know. exactly.
1: I think you saw it three times in I theaters, right? I saw it twice. You were like so inspired by it. Oh my God. The yeah. whole thing that you wrote your own idea. I wrote for my s-
2: own. The Requel Scream 2, kind of. Yeah. I wrote my own opening for Scream yeah. 2, which would be Scream 6. Yeah. But it's called
1: Scream, Scream 2. Or whatever it's called. Is it called Scream 2? Yeah, it's called Scream oh, 2. okay.
2: Yeah, I wrote my own opening.
1: But I don't know if you should disclose the idea. No, I'm not going to. Yeah, I don't to, think you should. I don't want for the public. to steal it. But just know that it bangs. Yeah. Yeah. And then, okay, if you were to give some horror film recommendations oh, to God. people who want to get into the genre uh-huh. and they haven't, uh-huh. what would you say?
2: I feel like maybe something like The Sixth Sense would be good. Mm-hmm. The M. Night movie, because it's kind of, it is a horror film, but it's, it kind of leans more drama than horror. It's like a drama with some horror elements in there. Mm-hmm. And the twist is really good. It's like the most spoiled twist of all time. But that's like kind of a good intro to the yeah. genre. The Conjuring is a good one. The Conjuring is like scary, but that's like a great example of a good popcorn horror film.
1: So thank you, Hunter, for joining us on this discussion. By us, I mean me. On this <laughs> discussion of Scream. Also, for anybody who is interested in independent short horror films, <laughs> 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 um, boy, do I have something for boy, you.
2: Boy, I got a film for you. So,
1: Hunter has written and is directing a short horror film called From the Flesh. On Instagram, it is at FromTheFleshFilm, and I'm producing it along with him, and uh, we'll be shooting it next month. There is currently a Kickstarter. The link to that will be in the description and in the show notes.
2: From The Flesh is about a gifted teenage singer who auditions for the choir at a local youth ministry, and she discovers she she discovers she discovers, <laughs> <laughs> she discovers the sinister reason for their devotion when they ask to have her voice. Uh oh so, so like when they wanna they wanna take her voice from like her. Physically like physically they are going to extract her vocal cords because they want that Oregon.
1: Hey, and we're leaving it at that. I mean, that's very intriguing. We have casted Miss Kennedy Walsh as the lead role, Noah, in this film. Yes. And we're super lit about that.
2: Yeah, very excited.
1: Again, at From the Flesh Film. The Kickstarter link is in the description, and you could follow Hunter if you want to. At Hunter Clivingston.
2: Hunter Clivingston.
1: (laughs) Hunter C. Livingston. Hunter
2: C. like Charles Livingston.
1: And thank you again for joining me, King. (laughs) Thanks. Bye. Bye.
0: (laughs) Okay. I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation between Audrey and Hunter. I know I, for one, can't wait to hear
1: it (laughs) because I have not heard it yet. So before we get into our opinions, I'm going to give you a pop quiz. And I feel (sighs) like you should get these. I tried to make them like simple. If you know the answer, just say it. If you need the choices, tell me you want the choices. Okay. Number one, in what fictional town does Scream take place? Woodsboro, yes, correct. Num- I only know that because you of just her read it. On yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, as we were, we you said it like three times. I was like, dang, she's gonna get that one because she's saying it. <laughs> yeah. Number two. What is Randy's number one rule for surviving a horror movie? Don't have sex. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> Good job. Okay. And finally, how many seconds delay does the hidden camera at Stu's house have? 30?
0: Yeah. Hey. Good job. Yay. Okay. I'm proud of myself. Yeah. <laughs> I was paying attention, aren't you proud
1: of me? Yeah, this is what happens when you pay attention.
0: It's <laughs> <laughs> so what I'm not writing shit down. Also, I'm pretty sure both of those things ha- like are disclosed really close they to each are, other. They are, yeah. Yeah. I guess overall, what do you think of this movie?
1: I want I want to ask you that first. Okay. I feel like
0: this is not going to be well received. Are the thrills and chills good? I would say yes. Are they always that good? I would say no. There are some parts that are pretty fucking goofy, which I think is sort of on purpose. Totally on purpose. Yeah. Yeah. Like the one where it's like he's like in the woods and it does that like zoom into the woods. Yeah. Like just, it it is funny. I guess this is, like, it applies to the whole thing. If you're me and you're coming into it with, like, only a few drops of understanding of the genre, it feels a little bit like hanging out with a group of friends where they have a bunch of inside jokes and you're, like, someone's girlfriend or boyfriend who's, like, standing there, like, ha-ha, yeah. You know, like you're included by proxy of getting the thrills and chills, but like the meat and potatoes of it, you
1: like are yeah. Like, what? Yeah, that's so true. Um, like this movie is not for people who don't watch horror movies, like at all. So much of the dialogue has to do with horror movies as a genre. If you. Yeah. Obviously, when the first one came out, nobody had seen the sequels, but they just build on that and build on that and build on that in the next ones. Mm -hmm. And it's, like, very fun. (laughs) What they do with it is very fun. It becomes, like, a meta thing where um, eventually there's a movie made about Sidney Prescott's story called Stab, Mm -hmm. and the Stab movies become a series as well. So like it becomes Whoa. very meta.
0: <laughs> I can't get into that. I think I think I just thought of a good way to describe how it feels like. So this is a movie where they talk about movies a lot and like the rules of surviving horror or whatever. It kind of reminds me of when you see like a musical that's like about being in a musical, yeah, like.
1: insider insider baseball or whatever it's called yeah
0: like that's kind of what it feels like I just felt a little bit like okay I get it like okay but at the same time I do not I think that's a me problem not a the movie being a problem problem
1: I mean if it's not your thing it's just not like I get that um had I not had context You know, if I watched it by myself, like, I really am not sure how I would interpret everything. One thing to be said is that Neve Campbell does do a great job in bringing, like, a grounded presence to such crazy, kind of, like, cartoony dialogue. But did you enjoy the first scene, though? Oh, I loved it. Yeah. It was amazing. It was
0: so good. When you can just crank something out that's like that iconic like damn that's impressive even just like the hair yeah this wig choice like like this wig like it's just (laughs) so good i i think the thing was that like i wanted to keep watching that movie yeah (laughs) you know but those movies do exist So I can keep watching that movie, basically.
1: Yeah. Um, And the truth is, like, that movie wouldn't be... It wouldn't be a comment on the type of movie in general. And that's what Scream turns into. It's almost not worth discussing things that are dated and or problematic because when it comes to, like, satire and a film that has elements that are making fun of itself, it's Mm -hmm. not... It's like the film is self-aware. So, like, what... There's kind of no – there's, like, no point in, like, judging the script from that perspective.
0: I think that when we condemn things for being dated or problematic, most of the time that will only happen if it's something explicitly made for young people, like, for kids or or young teenagers. Because it's, like, okay, like, the the tub of lard line, for example. Yeah. Like, if – like, for example, when that was, like, in the movie Sleepover – When they were, like, shitting on that little girl for being fat, like, that's one thing. Whereas in this movie, I'm not saying that, like, adult men deserve to be shat on for being fat. But I'm just saying it's a different—it makes a different impact.
1: Yeah, and also the audience is different. The audience is is adults for this movie. And, like, you know, obviously kids watched it, too. But I feel like you've got (laughs) other—it's just not— the point to yeah. me, like, it's at all. It's not the point. I totally agree. Like, if you're going to have um, issue with bringing up lard, then you're going to have issue with actual killings <laughs> going on. Bringing trigger warning mention of lard. <laughs> in terms
0: of dated, though, or whatever, this isn't even dated. I just love the home phone. Relevance. Oh, I know. I miss that. So, you know how, like, a lot of the times, especially, like, in Scream, for example, like, you see gore but you don't see like the act of the gore. It's m- normally like the aftermath or like the stab yeah. and then the shot. Yeah. Do you happen to know if like the advancement of CGI is like making it so you like see the active gore happen more?
1: Yeah. That's that is completely why because well it's like two reasons. One is it oftentimes has to do with the rating you can only get so much of the action Mm. of the gore in and to maintain a rating. You'll notice that more, I feel like more often in like horror PG-13 movies. So there's that. And then there's the aspect, the like craft aspect of, do we want to figure out how to do this effect practically or do we want to leave it up to sound effects and, you know, the action of stabbing yeah. or whatever. Sometimes it might be a stronger choice to leave it up to the imagination than to try mm-hmm. to capture it. What I'm saying also is that there's another issue, which is kind of like, I won't go into it too much, but like the, the VFX industry is like, kind of reaching critical mass right now where, because those workers aren't unionized and the demands of that industry, it's like you have less and less time to do more work than ever before. Mm -hmm. And so, and like, you know, a really huge example of that would be like cats. Like cats is what happens when there is way too much work to do for not enough money and not enough time. Um, yeah. And so, like, the burnout of those people, those workers, is really high. What it results in is like these VFX shots where you're like, what did I just see? <laughs> yeah. Like, that it's actually, is
0: not right. It's funny that you mentioned that because I literally just watched a video on this and I am educated on the subject.
1: Oh, really? Cats
0: was the example they used, too.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's like a good recent yeah. example. The only shot that in Scream, the is, like, pretty noticeably not real is Rose McGowan's head getting squished. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: That's like like a decapitated Pirates of the Caribbean puppet. Like, that's what it looks like. (laughs) Definitely. I did think that was creative. It's also not a way you would die. Like, the garage door would break before you would break. So, to me, it was definitely worth watching. And it was... It was pretty good. I think I would have liked it a lot more if I, like, was on the inner circle of understanding. Yeah. Um, But it was entertaining. That opening is, like, universally amazing. And I will probably watch the other ones because I am interested to see what happens. Also, we didn't even really talk about Matthew Lillard. He's just – A light. He's just a joy and a light to see in anything. That's really all there is to say. And I do pledge allegiance to the flag of his artistry.
1: (laughs) Period. And I hope you also enjoyed my little segment with Hunter where we really get into it about the Scream franchise. And if you care or want to check out the short film that he is directing and we are both producing, then you can find that information in the description. The Instagram is at from the flesh film.
0: Very cool. I am very excited to uh, to witness this process. Wait, also, which reminds me, Audrey's documentary, our documentary, came out this past Friday. And it is yes. available for
1: streaming. Audrey, do you want to share some more details on that? So you can find the full documentary on our website, com slash full out dash inside ohio show choir it's just going to be there in perpetuity if you want to if you want to watch it
0: yes i'm excited okay so we will be back next week as always i hope you're having a good festive time getting ready for Halloween if you're into that and otherwise that you're ingesting pumpkin flavored shit. I know I am. You can find more from us at evergreenpodcast.com slash sleepover-cinema and keep up with our latest creative projects, notably the documentary at twopinkproductions.com. We're on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and YouTube at sleepover cinema, and post a full video version of each episode on YouTube every Thursday.
1: You can follow me, Audrey, at Audrey Anna Leach on everything. And you can follow me,
0: Hannah, at Hannah Ray Leach on Instagram and at Lana Von Trap <laughs> on
1: Twitter. You can join our Discord server at the link in the episode description or on evergreenpodcast.com. And also, if you want a phone case that is really cool and pretty, <laughs> um, the link to that is in our link tree. And the code is 15Sleepover. And they've done this fun thing where they, like, put all of the items that we've gotten on that page. So, like, if you want to match with us, you could. And, of course, if you like our show... You know what to do. Give us
0: a five star rating. Uh, Sleepover Cinema is a production of Evergreen Podcasts, produced, edited, and engineered by us, Hannah and Audrey Leach. Sleepover Cinema is mixed by Sean Rule Hoffman with spooky theme music this week by Josh Perlman Hall, and our executive producer is Michael D'Alloia. Bye. Don't pick Bye. up the phone. <laughs> ooh,
1: ooh, ooh, ooh.
0: Ooh.
2: Let straight people be serial
1: killers too. Oh, that's very (laughs) I don't know who isn't letting straight people be serial killers. A lot of people. Are they? I
2: don't know. You
1: know, a lot can happen in seven minutes, and luckily, that's how long it takes me to tell a story. My
0: name is Aaron Calafato, and I'm the creator of seven minute stories. I'm proud to partner with Evergreen Podcasts, and I'd like to invite you to join me on this journey. I'm going to take you on some crazy roller coaster rides using my unique extemporaneous storytelling style. And together, we're going to try to make sense of the world all through the art of storytelling and all in approximately seven minutes. This podcast was produced with the support of the Ohio Motion
1: Picture Tax Credit and in partnership with the Ohio Development Services Agency.